Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Stronger Minds podcast, where I, Kimberly Wilson, chartered psychologist, bring you the latest information and research on how to build healthy brains and strong minds. If you've read my book, you'll know that one of the most potent but underutilized interventions for psychological resilience is good relationships. Essentially, we'll find it easier to bounce back from any stressor or trauma that we encounter if we feel supported and cared for. And for that reason, I want to talk about a particularly unhealthy and unhelpful type of friendship, the frenemy. A frenemy is someone with whom you're friendly or consider a friend, but whom does not have your best interests at heart. Now, in a follow-up episode, I'll be talking more generally about the characteristics of these relationships and what you might be able to do about them. But first, I'd like you to listen to Emmy's story. Emmy Harrison-West is a commissioning editor for women's magazines like Chat, Woman and Woman's Own. She's also a freelance lifestyle, culture and travel features writer and has written for publications such as Stylist, Time Out and Glamour magazine, as well as most of our national newspapers. In this episode, Emmy describes the shocking end of her relationship with her best friend at university and the effects it's had on her. Emmy is currently writing her first novel on her experiences with toxic female friendship and can be found on Twitter at M-E-E-H-W. So that's E-M-M-I-E-E-H-W. Let's get started. Emmy, thank you so much for joining me. And I put the shout out on Instagram about this episode and was really surprised at how many responses I got back about this issue. So I guess I just hadn't realized how pervasive it is. And so thank you for being here. I guess this is the first part. Thank you for inviting um, me. And I think it would just be really interesting for us to get a, a sense of your experience. And then I guess we'll talk a little bit more about where that's led you mm. in terms of wanting to create a resource mm. for other people who might have similar experiences. Absolutely. So, where do you want to start? Um, so maybe I can start with my own experiences with female toxic friendship. So Should it, we start with a definition? Yeah, okay. Do you, or do you have like a working definition for you what a toxic female friendship is? To me personally, a toxic female friendship is a woman in your life who doesn't have your best values at heart. I think the main value of friendship as women is to support each other to be there for each other, to always hold each other up. And 
I've described it many a times by being there on the roller coaster through each of us highs and lows mm-hmm. and sticking with them throughout. I think toxic female friends will always try and escape when the lows get a little bit too much. That's mm-hmm. what I've kind of based it. Well, based on my own experiences, toxic female friends, they either want to isolate you, they want to control your life, your thinking, and they want to be the main focus of your life, whether that is your best friend or your only friend or basically someone that dominates your thoughts and will stop at nothing to get there. That's what I've found anyway. So that's a kind of real sense of complete possession. Absolutely. It's like domination. Like There's there's so much talk about um, men dominating women in relationships and we see that all the time on the news, sadly, but there's, there's not a lot of talk about women dominating other women like women being jealous of other women which isn't talked about very much because we're almost scared to say it as women and as feminists Mm -hmm. we don't want to talk about being jealous of other women or saying that someone's a bad friend because that's just not what girls are supposed Mm -hmm. to do we're supposed to support each other and big each other up but I feel like it's a big deal sorry to interrupt but yeah that was one of my anxieties when I pitched this Um, because I did give it a little bit of a caveat even in my own stories because I guess I was aware that we're in a we're in a kind of post me too world and there's a lot of discussion around the importance of you know believe all women trust all women and and i i worried that talking about toxic female friendships would come across as being kind of anti-women or slightly misogynistic um but of course i think there's also we need to remember that women are capable of harm you know that women can hurt each other mothers can hurt their children that um, women can and are the perpetrators of domestic violence Mm. and and of course that that capacity for harm can extend into into our friendships yeah absolutely and i've often described it as uh, survival of the fittest when it comes to women women are so used to competing to get in the best job the best paycheck the best haircut, the best looks, that they'll stop at nothing to get it. Mm-hmm. And I think somehow that, that kind of transpires into friendship as well. Mm-hmm. When you see perhaps your friend doing better than you, you want to go, oh, I'm so proud of you. But some women, they're not capable of that and they do want to cause other people, even their friends, harm. Mm-hmm. Whether they mean it or not, um, that's a whole different ballgame. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what happened to you? Okay, um, so when I was in my first year of university, I travelled... Uh, hundreds of miles in this brand new city didn't know anyone and I met this girl called Anne I'll change her name mm-hmm. and Anne was uh, confident she was goofy and um, she was really good with boys I was shy I didn't I don't, I'd had a few boyfriends but kind of small town girl sort mm-hmm. of vibe and she was the total opposite to me um, we clicked um, I would I almost idolised her and I think she knew that she was a little bit older than me and I think she almost saw me as this figure that looked up to her, mm-hmm. looking back at it now. So me and Anne, we were always there for each other. I supported her through job interviews, through late night essays. I talked to her about boys and, you know, one night stands and everything that went on in, in our normal student lives. Um, Anne had her faults. She was very messy. She was quite argumentative. She'd tell me bad things about her past. Um, she had family problems. But I just kind of supported her and said that I'd always be there for her. She introduced me to a lot of boys that I ended up being in relationships with and friends 
um, who I still hold quite dear to these uh, to this day. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until our final year of university that we actually started living together. Okay. And Anne was a nightmare to live with. She was so messy, but we often cooked for each other and we had arguments like kind of normal relationships. Were do. you in a shared house or was it just the two of you? It was just us two. For okay. the first time in our friendship, it was just us two. Before we'd, we'd been in shared houses and we were always like kind of dumb and dumber. It was just us. Mm-hmm. We had this kind of partnership and we attended social events together. Almost had our own sort of couple. Um, and I, I think looking back, I did idolise her. And I think she almost saw me as vulnerable in that sense. Because when I finally secured um, my, my dream job and moved to London for this dream career, um, I was really scared to tell her. I was scared to tell her that I was leaving our life in this new city. Mm-hmm. I was leaving the flat that we built together. And I think she'd almost set my future for me. And in she'd often. Sense. So I think that she had it in her mind that we were going to ride out our 20s in this flat in this in our university city um i was going to get a job nearby she was going to get a job nearby almost like we were in a relationship i mean that, that's what it's sounding like yeah kind of... definitely almost quite controlling it was like well you don't want to do that what about this job what about this like university course or mm-hmm. this master's course and i actually told her that i was looking for jobs in other cities and she went oh well you can apply but you know, you might as well just stay here with me. Looking back, it sounds like the warning signs are there. Mm. But I just thought, oh, she she has my best interests at heart. I was fiercely proud of her in everything that she did and I always told her to go for job interviews. But mm. for me, it was almost like I was a joke. Like I couldn't get that job in that new city or I might as well just stay here at home with her. Um, I got that new job in that new city. And I was. This was straight out of uni, was it? Yeah, straight out of university. In in that kind of in between phase, you know, when you're not quite sure what you're doing. Am I going to stay? Am I going to go? She decided that we were staying. We were going to stay in that city, in that flat, and yeah, like I said, ride out our twenties together. But I got this job, and I remember sitting on the train and crying, drafting this message, being so nervous about telling her that I was leaving. What do you think you were nervous about? I think I was nervous of the fact that. I think I knew then that she wouldn't be happy for me. Mm-hmm. I think I knew then that she was going to be jealous of the fact that I got the dream job and she wasn't proactive enough to find one. Because um, she, she was quite a lazy person. She was messy. She was lazy, but she kind of blamed me for her flaws in a way. Always kind of attacked me for them. How do you mean? Um, it's quite difficult to put to words, actually. Um... I think she impressed her flaws onto me by saying that I wasn't good enough for that job to make a... F- it's really difficult to explain, mm-hmm. actually. So she wasn't a very proactive person. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't apply for jobs for herself, mm-hmm. but she'd always give a running commentary on my life and okay. about what I was suitable for and the jobs that I could or couldn't do. And it was almost like she put me down all the time. Mm-hmm. And for this job that I did end up getting, it was a job that I knew she wanted. Too. So were you looking in the same fields of work? Yeah. Had, quite had you done the same course? Yeah, we did okay. the same degree at university and we were looking in sort of similar fields of work. Oh, okay. But I was the one that was applying for jobs and telling her that I was applying for jobs and I she see. wasn't. She was at home in her bed, um, letting me cook for her. Um, yeah, sounds crazy when I talk it, talk about it now. But I got this job and I remember drafting and redrafting this text message to her going, 
oh my god I can't believe I'm leaving I'm so happy but I'm devastated at the same time this is my chance to get my dream career and mm-hmm. um, but I'm really sad to be leaving you I promise I'll call you all the time um, I and mean, that's really telling isn't it yeah that, absolutely that throughout the relationship <laughs> friendship but yeah know, <laughs> it has the intensity of a relationship of a kind of romantic relationship there was a sense that she had your best interests at heart but there was a part of you at least that was aware that there would be something that she wouldn't respond well to you going and I guess I I guess we're lucky that you had that part of you because there's not because there's a possibility that you could have stayed you could have turned down the job if things are worse you could have stayed Mm. you could have turned down the job you could have carried on in the way that she expected you to but I think that's really it's really interesting that that part of you existed and you think psychologically about turning a blind eye Mm. you know there is there's a part of ourselves that is aware but if the awareness is uncomfortable or difficult or inconvenient we can kind of turn away from it absolutely I totally agree with that I think I knew that I just credited the fact that she had her own problems and this was her way of dealing with friendships Mm -hmm. um, to almost put someone else down in order to get her own self-esteem up. Um, But in the grand scheme of things, she never replied to my text message when I told her that I got a new job and that I'd be moving out. And that was the last time I ever heard from her. And that was eight years ago now. No. Yeah. And we had to live together. No. Yeah, so she went from being all-consuming, such an all-consuming friend... We'd spend our nights together, we'd cook together, we lived together, and it was like I didn't exist. She went from being a constant every day in my life. Like, for example, that morning, she even texted me to say, good luck in your interview, don't worry if it doesn't go very well, I hope it goes okay. Kind of that bittersweet friendship that we had. Slightly and undermining. Absolutely. absolutely. compliments. Because I was younger and I was seen as more vulnerable to her. Uh. Um, but yeah, she never replied to my text message and I came home that night and I would just see the back of her head go into her room. That's essentially how the last few months of my university year went. Oh. So as soon as I went into one room, she would leave. Emmy. Yeah. So she went from... That's awful. Yeah, it was it was Jeez. horrific. It was like I'd been isolated. Like well, it was like you'd yeah. kind of done something terrible. Like, Absolutely slept with her boyfriend or something like this, this, this is kind of that kind of but at least then if I had done something that awful which I never would have done I would have at least had something bad to credit it to this time I I was devastated because I was leaving her but I was also so happy that I was getting this dream job and I I spent so many hours by myself in the flat that we built together in our last year of university thinking it was my fault I called her I texted her I left her notes I cooked her food that just grew mouldy on the side I even considered turning down the job just so she would be my friend again. I remember knocking on her door and she just didn't reply. Um, And I went from being really upset and almost grieving this friend that was a constant in my life for this point for about four years now. We talked about like every day and then it was nothing. So I went from being in mourning almost of this really important friendship to well, you look really angry. Yeah. Now. I think it's just, it's really upsetting to think that I let myself get to that level and that I let someone control my life in a way. Because looking back, I would never let, I would never have let a man control me like that. Because that's just not how I stand in terms of relationships. But I let a woman who was supposed to be my best friend control me like that. 
and it is upsetting to think that other women are going through this as well mm. it's that it's that control that I feel like some toxic friends do have and she was toxic I think she realised her own flaws and the fact that in a way I was doing better than her mm. and she just didn't like it I, but this I'm my my jaw is, is still dropped. I mean, it's <laughs> extraordinary. Yeah, know, and I've I've heard a lot of things, but yeah, it's extraordinary that a you don't get any response at all, but then you have this total kind of obliteration of your existence. Yeah, absolutely. I'd go back to our flat, and it felt like I'd been through a breakup, and someone had moved out. It the the loneliness was so all consuming. And being in your final year of university, it's already Gosh, quite stressful. Yeah. Stress is a high. I had a dissertation to finish and my best friend was in the next room ignoring me. But I went from being really upset to really angry because I was so fiercely proud of everything that she'd done, as you would be for a friend. Um, I would have sent her off with like a new notebook on her first day of work. But she just, it was like I didn't exist. Even though we lived together, literally mere metres apart, it was just like I was nothing to her anymore. It was, it was weird. It's it was really excruciating. Just listening to it, it's yeah. excruciating. Like your the feeling of when you you're kind of approaching your flat or your house when you're coming home, your heart must have just sank. Your stomach yeah. must have dropped when knowing what was waiting for you. Absolutely, it was like I'd experienced heartbreak. You know that kind of that searing, blinding pain of heartbreak when you break up with someone that you love. But there was no closure. Mm. There was nothing that I'd done wrong. But I blamed myself for it. Like I said, I was going to turn that job down just so that she'd be my friend again. But that was her way of getting control over me. Um, so a few months after she essentially ghosted me and broke up with me... Um, so how do you negotiate moving out then? Because don't you then have to like look for new tenants and yeah. sorting out the contracts and moving Absolutely. days? How did you... um, our dads did it because she refused to speak to me. So a few months after I sent her that text message and she didn't reply, we'd finished university and I walked into the sitting room and she was there. I think she didn't know that I was home or she had her headphones in. Mm. And I just looked at her and all these essays and all this anger that I had in my head just disappeared and she looked at me and said Hey there, it's Michelle Norris I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain And Airbnb allows me to do that When I was in California recently I rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home but you're not always at home you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, I think you've been really selfish and I never want to speak to you again. What you've done to me is unforgivable. And she walked out and then she dropped an email to my dad with her dad's contact details and the deposit and the rest of the rent was sorted out between parents. And yeah, that was about eight years ago now and I've never heard from her since. I've often thought about reaching out for closure because after that I blocked her on social media, couldn't bear to see her happy. Mm. When she'd made me so miserable, my mental health took such a turn for the worse because mm. your friends are like your mirror image. They're almost like siblings, like they know your yeah. deepest, darkest secrets about you know, the bad sex you've had and, you know, the good sex you've had as well. Like, they know everything about you. They're like siblings. And I just lost that. It was like there was a big void in my life. Mm. But I've often thought about reaching out for closure just to say what I've been up to. I'm on my, my dream job. I'm mar- like married now. Um, I wanted her to know. I wanted her to be proud of me. But then I've stopped myself every time. And I went, do you know what? No, she'll make it about herself and she'll belit- belittle me again like she had before. I just think she's that type of person to be fully focused on herself and not she can't be happy for anyone else and I think that's really sad it's it's incredibly sad yeah you had though mutual friends didn't you yeah absolutely how did her action affect the friendship like did or did you ever find out through friends what was going on in her mind Mm. Um, so we had mutual friends. We worked um, in the same sort of societies together. Mm-hmm. And we had mutual friends. But she almost isolated herself from them as well. They're friends on social media, as they are. Because mm-hmm. um, I think people are... They're almost afraid to get rid of people on social media, sure. media yeah, to yeah. burn bridges. But I was just like, <laughs> I'm blocking you straight away. Yeah, it's kind of the social media etiquette, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But I heard... My friends and I heard nothing else from her. Nothing. It's like she just isolated herself. Um, and it makes me really sad that she lived like that. And she just lost friends over her own lack of self-worth, I think. Which makes me really upset thinking about it. But um, the friends that we had together mm. are now my bestest, bestest friends. Um, they were all my bridesmaids at my wedding. But this was it was quite bittersweet because... She was supposed to be that girl, yeah. Yeah. But when I think to my bridesmaids now, they always they've always supported me, whether I've done something good or something bad. They've always (laughs) been there, you know, the bad boyfriend choices and then the amazing life decisions and you know getting married and like moving to the big city. They've always been there. They've always surrounded me with that love. And I actually don't think I got any love from her. Thinking about it now, it was more a sense of that she was my idol and I think women are supposed to see each other as equals Mm. and not as role models or idols and I think it was because she was older than me that I was almost vulnerable Mm -hmm. to our control in a way so it was Um, yeah a kind of mm. worship do you think on your part yeah as embarrassing as it is to admit I think it probably was I think it's because she was better with boys 
she was intelligent, she'd already lived in the big city, she was really independent, mm-hmm. and I was just kind of coming out of my shell, moved to East for the first time, quite shy, mm-hmm. didn't really know what I wanted in life, and she introduced me to friends. It's almost like I mm-hmm. owed her something. Okay. In yeah, a way. Yeah. And that I felt like it was okay if she put me down because I owed her my friends and I owed her okay. my dream career because she got me in touch with the right people, you know? Okay. It was almost like it was... Yeah, it was like it was... It, it was that sense of control in a way, mm. but looking back now, I, w- I would never have put myself in that... I would never put myself in that position now as a woman or as a friend because that's just not... That's not the person I am. But back then, I guess I was impressionable. Mm. Do you think... So, so the way you describe it is almost like the the cool kids at school. Like, she was yeah. part of that kind of... Yeah. I guess the cheerleaders crowd at school and there was something of kind of almost not quite magical but you know something shiny and bright yeah. about her and there's something about being in her aura definitely that really felt you know satisfying yeah I suppose I've never looked at it in that way I was never part of the cool kids in the group I had the shaved head and <laughs> I wore the big boots and I just wasn't that type of person but I think in university it was because I didn't know anyone mm. I was in this alien city I could be who I wanted and I could be part of the cool kids. Mm-hmm. I think that's why Anne took me on because I was new and I mm. was impressionable and I didn't quite know who I was yet. And then she introduced me to my friends and she introduced me to these new so- social circles and the boys that I had relationships with and almost yeah controlled little parts mm. of my life and kind of weaved our way into every part of it so that it would be me and her Gosh. which is so you I'm thinking about from her perspective and obviously I can only speculate but there's a sense in which you were supposed to or you were taken on as a protege almost that mm-hmm. this is what I've made but you weren't supposed to supersede her you weren't supposed you were supposed to keep the hierarchy intact yeah. And your major error was in achieving something above what she had achieved at that point. Absolutely. I think my error was having my own aspirations mm. and looking at a life without her, which is not what I was looking for. I was looking for a step into mm. my dream career. And that so happened to have been moving out of the flat that we'd built together and moving away from her but I truly believe that some friendships that are worth it stand Mm. distance in the test of time and I've got my best friends back home that I have you know as examples of that but I think it was just because I had superseded Mm. her and she was the older one but wasn't proactive enough to do anything about getting the dream life that she'd wanted or that I assumed she wanted anyway and can you just, sorry, remind me of what she said when you walked into the living room that day? Yeah, absolutely. So I can I can still remember the look in her eyes. She said to me, I think you're really selfish. I never want to speak to you again. What you did to me was unforgivable. And do you know when you, you lie awake at night and you think, oh, if I saw that person again, I would tell them this, that and that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, when you just think of a comeback hours later, I just... I was so stunned. You must have been so shocked. I mean, uh, I just didn't know what to do. I just, I was so stunned. I couldn't, I couldn't say anything. And then she just walked out and it took me, it was like I was in shock. It took me a few hours to realise what had just happened mm. and that I was selfish and that I treated her in such a bad way 
that I just burst into tears. I think since then it has kind of left this sort of the small scar on my on social anxiety kind of aspects of it because I always apologise to my friends for not speaking to them for a certain amount of time because I feel like mm. I've been selfish or I've done something wrong and I know that it is because of a result of that. I um, mean, it's, it's an astonishing thing to say and to hear, you know, and it's incredibly telling. She sits there and says. What you've done is so selfish. This is after she's ignored you for several months in your own home and kind of denied your very existence and really shoved your kindness back in your face by leaving food untouched. I think that's... I have a particular interest in food, but I think food is massively symbolic Mm. about care, nurturing, affection, bonds, and she just leaves it to rot essentially um but saying using the word selfish saying what you've done is so selfish is incredibly telling in as far as what you had done is try to live your own life and it says so much i think that she doesn't or didn't think you were entitled to that Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's selfish for you to because it's, it's not as if you hadn't told her about the interview that she didn't know that you that you'd applied behind her back. Absolutely, she was fully aware. But you know, were you not supposed to accept without consulting her? Like, what was the? Yeah, it, I think looking back, I think Anne had it in her head that I wasn't going to get the job, mm-hmm. and she was going to be the shoulder to cry on when mm-hmm. I didn't get it. I think she'd had. She'd had herself convinced that she was the better person. Yeah. And, and she needed her. Absolutely. Her it was that that dependency on her that I, that I look back now and I think, God, that was that was a really I think of it as such an important friendship in kind of positive and negative ways because it mm. taught me a lot about myself. But in a negative way in that I let myself be so controlled by mm. someone. But thinking back, I think she did have it in her mind that I wasn't going to leave that flat. I wasn't going to leave those four walls with us in it. And that I was going to live out this life that she planned Mm. for us based on her own flaws. Mm. That she couldn't have enough self-worth or set herself her own standards to apply for that job and to make herself be an independent person, basically. One of the things that people can find very difficult is the idea that other people and especially people that we're very close to have minds of their own right we can have this idea you know if we have our best friend or a partner and we think oh we we think we know them inside and out you know we we can guess what their choices would be we know who they'll end up with we can imagine how they'd respond to xyz scenario yeah Um, and we find a lot of comfort in that i think i think quite often it's very comforting to think that you know exactly how someone else is going to behave because in that sense there are never any surprises people can't surprise you and and it sounds like that's where she was that she felt that she knew you entirely and and in that sense psychologically we think of the, the, the two of you having your minds merged you know yeah. so it's this complete enmeshment we are one being it's not two individuals it's like one union yeah and the problem was or the shock for her was that you behaved in a way that was unexpected. And what you did in that moment was to 
kind of bring to her attention this kind of rude awakening that you weren't this kind of symbiotic unit, but that you had a mind of your own and that that was a selfish thing. Like, how dare you, she says, how dare you have a mind of your own? And how dare you use that mind to behave in ways that I don't anticipate or, yeah. or don't expect? Absolutely. And looking back now, it is so obvious what you've just said that she was intertwining her life of mine so that we'd think the same mm. and we'd have the same friends and that would end up in the same flat and in the in the same city forever. So we did become this one unit. I mean, I said earlier, we were walking into bars together. We were also almost had our own sort of couple's name. Like mm-hmm. we were that one person as you do with your soulmate. Or like a kind of Brangelina type thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I do believe that you can find your friendship soulmate just like mm. you can with like a sexual or romantic soulmate. And you do become one person, but you're supposed to be supportive of each of us faults and each of us individualities and in each of us lives because we're all, as you said, different beings. Mm. So how and how long did it take you to recover from this shock? Um, It took me a long time. I think everyone has those relationships that do take a little bit longer to recover from Mm -hmm. people that you're in love with leave those sorts of lasting scars you know you never really get over people like this but I think for me it took me it took me a number of years I would say to get over her in a sense I do think that she has had this lasting effect on me but it's getting slighter as the years go on and I discover my own my own mind, my own well-being is mine to control and no one else's. Regardless of being married or having best friends, I do think it has taken me a lot longer than, say, my past boyfriends to get over because I was so close to her. I was so close to Anne and the life that we had together. It was four years of my life that I saw... I saw her almost every day for four years and that's quite... It was more intense than any relationship, sexual or romantic or otherwise, I think... It took me a long time to get over. I would say initially, probably about five years to get over that sort of impact. But still now, I'm still apologising to friends for not being there. But then I have to stop myself and think, no, Emmy, this is not this is not you. This is just kind of what you've been led to believe is your mm. fault. So yeah, it took me a long time to get over. I feel like friends, they're so important to you and to your well-being and your life and people need friends they need to be supported mm. they need someone to fill the void and I think when I lost Anne that void just got bigger mm. and there was no one there to fill it with I had I, I had other friends but you know when you have your best friend mm. that was what took so long to get over I would say and did you was it just the time that helped or did you do anything in particular to I don't know journaling or to work through the grief, I guess. It was time, I would say. In the last few years, I have started to write about it. Mm. I've written a number of articles on female jealousy, toxic friendships, and it's only been in the last few years that I've really thought, oh, I can make something out of this. Mm. I can put pen to paper, because as a creative and as a writer, that's just what we do to get over injustice (laughs) in a way yeah absolutely Um, but my husband has always been there from the very start and he was always really supportive and I just kind of surrounded myself with love and real friends and it made me 
kind of analyse my friendships now and mm. think, oh God, are they gonna, are they gonna do the same to me? Did or... it make you anxious about those other friendships? Yeah, absolutely. Because you think it's your fault. You think you've done something wrong when you're told that what you did was selfish, and that was basically your biggest achievement. Mm. That was someone else viewing it as selfish. You think, what else have I done wrong? What else should I not do? Um, and yet. Yeah, it did make me analyse other friendships and think, are they actually supporting me or am I supporting mm-hmm. them? And I've lost friends since then, just in natural ways or in unnatural ways, I suppose, quite abrupt friendships and then people just being phased out, but nothing's ever been quite as long-lasting as I am, I would say. Oh, br- I mean, it was brutal. Brutal, yeah, it was brutal. It was, it was like heartbreak. It was the worst heartbreak I've ever known, losing my best friend. Um... And I've had some pretty crappy relationships and pretty crappy breakups. <laughs> but there was yeah, that was the worst one because she knew everything about me. She knew my entire being because she'd made it that way. Yeah. And she'd convinced herself that she knew me and that I was going to be with her well, for as long as she could control it, really. In all of those kind of moments where you think about contacting her, and, you know, we're recording a podcast, so... It, there's a possibility <laughs> that she might hear it. What would you want to say to her? You'd think I would have thought about what I would say, but I've always stopped myself from writing out that message. Mm. Um, what I would say to her. Well, I know that she's in the same city as me, and I know that she's in a great job and a job that she's always wanted and I guess in a way I would probably say that I was proud of her but then is that me succumbing to her control again I guess I just wanted closure I guess I in a way probably still do want that but what does I'm closure scared. look like though what what is no. it an explanation is it an apology I think we always talk about closure, but we never get it. <laughs> no, exactly. Don't we? Think about it. <laughs> Everyone says this is what I mean. Everyone, there are a lot of words people use exactly. without explaining what they mean. Like even if you got in touch, even if I got in touch with my ex-boyfriend and asked for closure, it would just be like, "Why did you cheat on me?" That's not. It's not closure. But I think with with Anne, I would probably just tell her that I don't know. It sounds really showy, but in the way that look at what I've done. I'm I'm happy. You know, thank you for making me realise that I'm better off without you. But that, in a way, to me, is not. That's not. Doesn't sound like me because I don't want to be that person that puts my achievements above others. Mm. I think that's why I stop myself from reaching out for closure. It's because I don't want to sound like I'm being selfish and that I'm talking about myself. Improving her right. Improving her right essentially yeah I think I'd like her to know that it really hurt and then maybe ask her why she thought it was selfish but then what would I get from it I would just feel belittled by her again I don't know what I'd say it were if I reached out in all mm. honesty I really don't I would probably just be like look at where I am now I found my real friends and I found my husband and the person that supports me and I'm in this job and I don't have you to thank for it, and but that's. Do you think you're still angry? Me. Probably, probably, yeah. Because why should you be treated like that by anyone, mm. by a best friend or a stranger or your partner? You just shouldn't be. 
Um, she didn't give you the right to reply because I, I, there yeah. is a little bit of anger in your voice there, which I yeah, think is, definitely. is legitimate. Yeah. Um, and because anger is our is our signal of injustice and you were treated unfairly. So I think that recognition is important that you yeah, know definitely. that there was something profoundly unfair about her response to you. But what she does, which is massively controlling, is to not give you a right to reply not give you a right to say something for yourself and stick up for yourself or not that you needed to explain yourself but you know to put your side across yeah and that what she does in in silence because silence is incredibly powerful Mm. is to shut you up and kind of stifle your opportunity to stick up for yourself and and uh, your opportunity to advocate for yourself, you know, for your rights, what you what you deserve. Yeah, I think it it feels like she had the last word. Yes, and she yeah, had yeah, yeah. that moral high ground when I think that she knows herself. You would know yourself if you treated someone unfairly, because mm-hmm. we're all human. We're all aware of morals and how you're supposed to treat other humans as you would be treated. But I think by having that last word and by saying it was unforgivable and storming out of the room, mm. that was her closing yeah. that door on yeah. that part of her life and stifling me, as you said, and not giving me a chance to defend myself. Because I think deep down she knew it was wrong, yeah. as you would if you treated anyone in that unfair manner. But yeah, I don't think I see myself reaching out to her in the near future. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't would, think it's worth my time. I would probably at this stage recommend against it (laughs) Um, and and if only because because you're the injured party basically you were living your life which you're fully entitled to and she responded to you with hostility and aggression and accusations and unfair statements and to completely exclude you from your home in a sense you know by making it completely unwelcoming and not a place where you felt safe that if anyone should be reaching out yeah i don't think i'll ever get an apology every time soon gosh no and since you've been writing about it have you heard other similar stories or have you been collecting stories what is your experience of how other women perceive these kinds of relationships. Absolutely. So um, I've been writing various articles about female jealousy, feminism in general, and toxic female friendships, and I've decided to write a book based on my experiences, Mm -hmm. loosely based on two women who have this toxic female friendship. And I'm thinking about exploring it from both sides of the coin, from the toxic friendship side of the coin and from the victim, in a sense, the injured party. So it'd be a novel rather than a... Yeah, it would be. But I think with the novel, it's not going to be all airy-fairy and kind of happy ending. and. It sounds very Gone Girl already. (laughs) Absolutely. It's going to be honest and truthful and hopefully women will read it and recognise themselves in it in a way... But since then, I have been collecting stories from other people. I've had um, a woman who actually knew at university, who I'd never really spoken to about it before, a woman whose friend used her as a therapist, and she never actually got 
any therapy from her friend in a way. She was always the listener and she never could offload her problems onto her friend because it was almost like her time was too precious to her and she would just offload offload her problems onto her friend and she would listen and listen and listen and she'd be like oh I feel much better now thank you and then she'd have her friend's worries on our shoulders and I've also had women who whose friends have treated them as kind of a financial gain to use them to pay for drinks or to pay for taxis home or nights out and people are always so scared to talk about money mm. that they'd never ask their friends for it and they think that their friends think it's okay to treat them as a as as, yeah absolutely and it's just shocking I think these women when they put pen to paper they realise actually that's a really it's a really bad friendship How? Mm. why did I not think about it before I've had so many women come up to me and say oh yeah that that was me my friend sometimes wouldn't return my call for three weeks and then when she needed when she needed me she'd say can you come over right now and that would be you at her beck and call I've had loads of women come to me with stories like that before people that are close to you who you don't kind of realise the ins and outs of their lives um, it's crazy because you think it would be a universal value to know how to be a good friend not treat them like a therapist or not treat them as an ATM as we said but I've had so many women come up to me and just say that they've been ghosted or they've just been ignored Um women who have had serious health problems from it afterwards anxiety depression and just being made to feel like they're not worth the legs they're standing on basically mm. it's it's really sad to think that we're as women we're letting this happen mm. and not standing up for our own self-worth basically well you said something interesting earlier on which is that you you wouldn't have tolerated that behavior from a man so what do you think in your mind is the difference or what got in the way of you recognising the dynamics for what they were because they were coming from, from a woman? I think with women, when when women disagree, it's seen as kai or it's seen as bitchy. Mm-hmm. It's seen as like, row, close out, play fighting. Women aren't supposed to disagree. Women aren't supposed mm-hmm. to fight back. They're not supposed to have an opinion or anything that's wrong. I know I'm going way back here, but even now, you know, if, if a man spreads their legs on the tube, we'll just we just deal with it. We're not supposed to fight back. We're not supposed to defend ourselves in a way. Um, and I would never deal with that sort of behaviour from a man, but with women it's because you don't want to be seen as that catty character. We're, we're brought up to compare ourselves with so many other women to compete for the best job and the best paycheck that we just keep quiet Mm. and I think that's why I kept quiet and that's why I dealt with it for so long because I didn't want to be seen as a catty person I didn't want to be seen as bitchy or oh there's Emmy she's a total cow or Mm. like doesn't agree with whatever her friend says or you know has her own Mm. has her own mind yeah yeah no I did a um little podcast a little while back, I think last year now, on anger um, and really the importance, especially for women, of recognising and validating their own anger because I think what happens, I think for a lot of people, I think for everybody across the kind of gender spectrum is that anger is seen as a sign of a lack of control, you know, you're not, you're, or even just a lack of intelligence, you know, smart people wouldn't be angry, it's only because you're, you're not thinking right, you're not thinking straight, you're over-emotional, that that you're angry about something 
Um, so there's this real kind of problematizing of anger in itself. I think further that women aren't allowed to be angry, I think exactly as you say, because a woman who's angry is hysterical. You know, she can't be really. angry for a, legit, a legitimate reason. She's she must be having a moment, an hysterical moment. It's that time of the month. It's time of the month. She can't possibly have a legitimate reason. Supposed to be level-headed. To those women. be angry. Um, so that a woman who is angry has a lot more stigma attached to it. So I think what happens is that women sit on their anger much more, or it comes out as passive aggression which is much more toxic because you can't address it. It can always be denied and set aside and, and kind of pretended away. But as I said earlier, that anger is our prime signal. It's, it's, I call it a self-defense emotion because it's our prime signal that there is injustice. Either we're being treated unfairly or as you, you know, if you saw a fight in the street or someone attacking someone, you get angry because you recognize injustice out in the world. So it's a signal of, of injustice and unfairness. But if you stifle your anger because you've been told that it's illegitimate or unattractive or wrong or inappropriate, then you stifle your opportunity to recognize when you're being treated unfairly. So there's this kind of feeding in loop that kind of makes it even more difficult to recognize when you're being treated badly in a situation, especially when it's coming from someone who should be looking after you, caring for you and yeah, definitely. protecting you and supporting you. Having had some time to think about your own experience, you've written about it, you've had stories from other women. Is there anything you would like to say to anybody listening or perhaps clues or signals that someone might be in a toxic friendship? I think the most important thing is to, first of all, recognize your own self-worth know your limits, know your standards, just as you would with someone that you were dating or planning to date. Your friendship should have the same importance as that. Someone that dominates such an important part of your life and an important part of your heart, um, as we found out, should treat you in the same way that they'd want to be treated. I think in terms of signs of toxic friends, are you worried about sending that text message? Mm. Are you worried about cancelling? Do you think they're going to kick off? Do you think they're going to react neg negatively? Do they affect your well-being? Do you feel like you're actually welcome into their minds and into their lives? Or are they making you feel like a burden? Absolutely. Do you have to ask permission? It's Are they weaving themselves into your life? And are they starting to dominate how you think? It sounds like it should be so obvious, but there's little tiny things like telling you if they don't like what you're wearing but in a negative way because we're supposed to be supportive as friends and be honest but if it's negative and if it makes you feel hurt or a bit down that's not how friends are supposed to make you feel mm -hmm. friends are supposed to lift you up like i said earlier they're supposed to ride that roller coaster with you through the ups and downs and not jump off when it gets too hard you're supposed to support each other and if you're not happy with the media to speak to them, don't isolate them, don't stifle your friends. And if they're stifling you and isolating you, then they're not supposed to be friends. Take those steps to talk to each other first, to work out what's going on, just as you would in any relationship. And if it's time to take, take a step back, be brave enough to do that. Because in the end, you will, you will be better off without someone toxic in your life. Mm. It's hard though. It's really hard to recognize that there's a problem, but that is the first step mm. to recognize that 
you need to change something and not know that and know that it's not your fault I think as women we blame ourselves so quickly and we think it is our fault but it's not some people are just they're not supposed to be your friend but I think a lot of people have the idea that a good relationship is one where there is no conflict or no difficulty no disagreements and so rather than pipe up when you disagree with someone or you're not really sure about what they've said or something like that people just kind of stay quiet kind of anything for an easy life let's not make a problem I don't want to make this person uncomfortable put them in a difficult position I don't want to make them feel bad and what happens then is that you never really get to be honest I was really hurt when you did that or I was a bit confused when you said that or what did it mean when like you never get a fully clear opportunity to, with that person so there's always a kind of surface level I think to the relationship in that context but I think it also allows another myth to continue to exist which is the idea that a good relationship is one without any difficulty because in reality certainly in psychological terms we think about the quality of a relationship being about the capacity for reparation after difficulty so you know it may be in a, in a relationship friendship couple or otherwise have a row but what is it like when you come back together can we talk about it can i be respected by you can we disagree but still have basic respect for the other person as a human being that's going to tell us much more about the quality of the relationship than the fact that they've never had any disagreements but i think what happens especially for girls is that we're, we're told that if if you disagree then you're making a problem and and so the the emphasis is on putting up and tolerating rather than speaking up and clarifying definitely we're supposed to just always be under the surface always be level-headed not emotional pipe up when we're asked that is what we teach girls now and it's really sad that we take that attitude into our friendships too mm -hmm. and i think some friendships some friendships can be repaired i don't think anyone's well no one's perfect no relationship no marriage no friendship none of it is perfect I do think some friendships can be repaired but it's about taking a step back and thinking mm. no actually yeah. this isn't good for me it's about knowing when is the right time to pipe up and to say no I don't agree with what you're doing to me mm -hmm. or no I don't agree with how you're treating me mm. we should do that to strangers as well as friends mm. or our colleagues our bosses everyone but that is what we're teaching girls nowadays which, mm. is, which is sad you're not catty if you stand up and disagree with someone you're not bitchy you're just being human as any man would do it mm. i just don't know why we're always telling girls to just kind of mm. go with the floor and follow that one path and we thank you so much absolute pleasure for sharing your story it was startling <laughs> thank and you so much for inviting me i hope i hope people will take a step back and maybe look at any friendship that is niggling in their minds and think what am I getting out of this and is it positive thank you so much for inviting me and listening to me on a subject that's very close to my heart
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.